You're listening to Brains On, where we're serious about being curious. Brains On is supported in part by a grant from the National Science Foundation. That was great, team. Let's do it one more time. Manica, more pom-pom, please. You got it. Mark, you totally nailed those splits, but I want even more volume on those cheers. You, you got it. You, you, you got it. How's the cheer coming? Cheer? Yeah, Mark, Sandin, and I are making a cheer for our breath. Because we know it's easy to take breathing for granted. I mean, your body does it without even thinking about it. But we didn't want our breaths to feel neglected. Yeah, I mean, I personally can't live without my breath. That's why we made this special cheer. Whoa, can I see it? Sure. On four, team. One, two, one, two. Take, Take a, a big, big one, one in. in. Hoo, hoo, let, let a big, big one out. Ha! Ha! Fill those lungs! Ooh, ooh, and start to shout! Ah! Ah! Oh. What's clear and awesome and in our throats? Breath! 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 What keeps alive bear squirrels and goats? Breath! 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 We love our breath because it rocks! Breath! 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 Even when it smells like dirty socks! Breath! 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 Pee! Who, me? Nah, I'm only talking about bad breath! Don't be breathless. Don't don't be breathless. Hey, don't be breathless. Don't don't be breathless. Oh, not breathing is super reckless. What? So make sure you add it to your checklist. In in hail hail. Breathing air it never fails. X X hail hail. Let it out slowly like a snail. Land snails breathe using an organ called the paleo lung. That's a cool fact. A cool fact attack. Hey. Gasp, pant, gulp, wheeze. Cough, snort, sniff, sneeze. Sigh, huff, puff, please. Breathing, breathing is a bee's knees. Yay, breathing! Good work, guys. Wow, I can feel the love. Yeah, I am pumped up for this episode now. And Mark, wow. Right? Who knew you could do so many backflips? <laughs> Yeah, I know, but uh, I really needed a grand finale that was that was going to take your breath away. You're listening to Brains On from American Public Media. I'm Molly Bloom, and my co-host today is Innie from Baltimore, Maryland. Hi, Innie. Hi, Molly. Okay, I think we should start this episode with a deep breath in. And then a big deep breath out. Because this is an episode all about breathing. And it was inspired by this question. Hi, my name is Bethany from West Jordan, Utah. And my question is, how do we breathe? Breathing is a really cool thing. It's both something that happens automatically without us thinking about it. Like when I sit at my desk, I might be doing math problems or daydreaming or playing with my hair. But one thing I'm not doing is telling myself to breathe in and out. But you keep breathing anyway. And when you're asleep at night, you also keep breathing. That's thanks to our autonomic nervous system, the part of our brain that keeps us going without thinking about it. But the super cool thing about breath is that even though it's essential to our survival, we can also control it and play with it. Like when I use my breath to blow out birthday candles. (sighs) Or when we use our breath for singing and talking. Like I can make sure I let out just the right amount of breath at the proper rate to be able to read the sentence without having to stop to take a breath in the middle of it. 
When it's cold, I can exhale nice warm air in my hands. <sighs> or I could hold my breath while I'm driving through a tunnel. That's not really necessary, you know. <sighs> but it's fun. There aren't that many other bodily functions that happen automatically that you can also control. You can't decide to digest your food faster or sweat less. You can't say, hey heart, let's switch to reggaeton B. Nope, it's just one of the ways breath is remarkable. And it's all thanks to the lungs. The lungs are the most fascinating organ, and I might be a little bit biased since that's the organ where I chose to specialize in. That's Stephanie Levinsky Desir. She's a pediatric pulmonologist, which means she's a lung doctor for young people. Breathing starts with the diaphragm. It's a big muscle shaped like an upside down U that goes across the middle of your torso, under your lungs, and above your stomach and intestines. And when you take a breath in, that upside down U flattens out and it creates more space in your chest so that air comes rushing through your nose and your mouth, whatever's open. And then when you exhale or take a breath out, that muscle squeezes back up into its U-shaped form um, and all of the air gets gets pushed out of the lungs. There are other muscles in between your ribs that help to move your rib cage as you breathe. The whole point of breathing is to bring in oxygen, which our bodies need to power all the amazing things they do. And breathing out is how we get rid of some of the waste produced by the same processes. Let's follow some air molecules on their journey into your lungs and around your body. Hello, hello, hello. I'm an oxygen molecule. The air is made up of other kinds of gases, too, like carbon dioxide. Hi. And nitrogen. Hey, that's me. And argon. Yo. But let's face it, I'm the only one that matters here. Hey. What? Sorry, not sorry. So anyway, we breathe air in through our mouths or noses. Woo, here we go. One of the things that's really cool about the nose is it has a lot of blood vessels that helps to warm the air. It's cozy in here and hairy and boogery. The air travels from your nose down your trachea. That's the windpipe in your throat. And then the trachea branches off into bronchi. There's a tube that leads to your left lung and a tube that leads to your right lung. Whee! I made it to the lungs. It's hard to pick a favorite. The left lung has better ambiance, but the right lung has better Wi-Fi reception. And those big branches continue to divide and divide and divide and divide and divide until you get all the way down to the deep, tiny sacs that we call the alveoli. The branching paths that lead to these alveoli look very much like the branches of a tree. These branches are called bronchioles. Now, maybe you think of your lungs like two big balloons that fill with air, but that's not really it. Instead of two big balloons, they're actually filled with lots of tiny balloons. Those are the alveoli. And I like to think of the alveoli like tiny, tiny sacks, almost like a bunch of grapes put all together, if you can imagine, except those grapes are all empty. Ah, yes. This tiny, empty grape is a perfect place to hang. Sorry, Oxygen, but this is not your final destination. Oh man, I just unpacked. The skin surrounding these tiny, empty grapes, the alveoli, is very thin and surrounded by lots of tiny blood vessels called capillaries. So the oxygen can pass right through the skin, straight into your blood. Oh my, it's wet in here. Hop on, buddy. I gotcha. Who are you? I'm a red blood cell, your chauffeur around the body. The heart pumps the blood to keep it moving through your body. 
Where are we headed? Fingers crossed for the liver. Oh, you, my friend, are headed to a brain cell. Ooh, even better. The oxygen is delivered to a cell in your body where it's used to create energy to let that cell do the job that your body needs it to do, whether that's sending signals, digesting food, or making more blood cells. In the process of making energy, your cells also make a gas called carbon dioxide. Finally my turn. We don't need it. Hey. So your body gets rid of this gas in the same way it took in the oxygen. Exiting the blood, rushing back into the alveoli, Ah! shooting through the bronchioles, Ah! swooshing through the bronchus, Ah! floating up the trachea, and being exhaled back out of your mouth or nose. So those are the basics of breathing. But breathing doesn't happen easily for everyone all the time. So Innie, you wrote into us with a question about asthma. What made you curious about asthma? Well, my mom has asthma and she had an asthma attack like about maybe like a year and a half ago. And it was an experience because I was there to witness it. But she was rushed into the hospital and I wanted to know like what um, happens in your body when you have an asthma attack. I bet that was very scary. Yes, it was. Is she okay now? Yeah, she's completely fine and hasn't had an asthma attack since. I'm very happy to hear that. I I have asthma too, like your mom, and it's not a great feeling to feel like you can't breathe easily. It can be scary, and it feels like a great relief when it feels better. And Dr. Levinsky Desir, who we just heard from, she specializes in asthma, and she told us it's one of the most common conditions that kids have, and there are lots of different causes for it. Some kids get asthma from seasonal allergies like pollen. Others get asthma when they get a cold. Some get it when they run around and exercise. So we asked her to help us answer your question, Innie, and also this listener question. My name is Maddie from Denver, Colorado, and my question is, how do inhalers help you breathe? So asthma is what we call a disease or a disorder of the airways that is mostly of inflammation. And so inflammation is just a big word of saying when something is sort of swollen, when it's not feeling so great. And because the airways get swollen and they're not feeling so great, they tend to be a little bit smaller. And so they're a little bit more closed off and it makes it a little bit more challenging for air to pass in and out through those bronchioles and into those alveoli because of the swelling that comes from asthma. So when the airways get inflamed, get swollen, the opening where air can pass through is smaller. Asthma often feels like tightness or squeezing in the lungs. Oftentimes the air can make its way in. It's on the way out that it gets a little bit problematic. And so sometimes you'll see uh, children and adults who have asthma seem to be using a lot of muscles. And it's basically that diaphragm and those muscles in between the chest um, that I talked about earlier that are really squeezing hard to help push that air out. Sometimes asthma can make you feel short of breath or make you cough. So how do inhalers help if you're having an asthma attack? So it's a relaxing medication. So the bronchioles or the tubes that lead towards the alveoli are made out of muscle. And what that medication does is it helps to relax that muscle to keep the airways nice and open. And once the airways are open, you can then once again take a nice deep breath. Feels great. Okay, 
take a deep breath and get ready because it's time for the... You ready, Annie? Sure. Here it is. Okay, what is your guess? Uh, well, it sounds like an instrument. Maybe something like the flute, but I also hear some, like, background. Like, it has kind of, like, a beat to it. Hmm. Very good ears. Well, we'll listen to it again and give you another chance to guess and hear the answer a little bit later in the show. We're working on an episode about trash and what happens to it. And we want to hear from you. We'd love to hear the creative ways you use stuff instead of throwing it away. So, Innie, do you have any potential trash that you end up reusing instead? Well, where I live, like, the water bottles that I use, I can, like, um, recycle them. There's a place where you can, like, drop them off and you get money for it in return. That is a good way to use them to get some money. I like it. Well, listeners, we want to hear from you. Maybe you found a use for empty jelly jars or old T-shirts or cardboard boxes. Whatever you're reusing, we want to hear about it. Send it to us at brainson.org slash contact. And while you're there, you can send us mystery sounds, drawings, and questions. Like this one. Hi, my name's Ben. I'm from Adelaide, Australia. My question is, what's the smallest unit of measurement and how large is it? We'll be back with an answer to that during our moment of um, and we'll read the most recent list of names to be added to the Brains Honor Roll, all at the end of the show. So keep listening. Talking to your backseat babies about money can be so hard. In fact, you probably don't even know where to start. So that's where the newest version of the Million Bazillion Academy steps in, our email newsletter course. You can start whenever, and you'll get a new lesson each week that you and your kids can complete at your own pace. They'll learn about crypto, the stock market, and so much more. And best of all, it's free. Million Bazillion Academy, making kids smarter about money. Sign up today at marketplace.org academy. Talking to your backseat babies about money can be so hard. In fact, you probably don't even know where to start. So that's where the newest version of the Million Bazillion Academy steps in, our email newsletter course. You can start whenever, and you'll get a new lesson each week that you and your kids can complete at your own pace. They'll learn about crypto, the stock market, and so much more. And best of all, it's free. Million Bazillion Academy, making kids smarter about money. Sign up today at marketplace.org academy. You're listening to Brains On from American Public Media. I'm Innie. And I'm Molly. Let's listen to that mystery sound again. What is your new guess? Um, it still sounds like an instrument. Um, it sounds like a flute this time, with someone like doing like some light drumming in the back. I like it. You ready to hear the answer? Yeah. Here it is. That was the sound of me practicing circular breathing. Hello, everybody. My name is Ivan Cunningham. I am a saxophonist from Minnesota. 
Okay, Annie. So you were right. It was an instrument, not a flute, but a saxophone. They are very closely related, so you're not very far off. Do you know what a saxophone looks like? Yeah, I like got to use one in fifth grade when our music teacher, he just brought one in and he picked a kid to use one and I got to use it. Oh, cool. So you're familiar. So yeah, they have those keys on the side. They're like, you know, gold usually and shaped yeah. kind of like the letter J and um, they have those buttons. So that's kind of what you thought was the drumming where I think the keys being pressed on the saxophone. And yeah, so he's describing a way to play. It's like you never actually stop making sounds, even though you take a breath in the middle, which is kind of cool. So the main concept behind circular breathing is to fill your cheeks with air, you know, sort of puffing your cheeks out like they're full of marshmallows or whatever. And then just uh, let the air escape from your cheeks, kind of making a funny <laughs> sound, you know? And then while that's happening, the idea is that you inhale through your nose really quickly um, while the air is being expelled from your cheeks. So that way you have a chance to take in air while air is coming out without you actually exhaling. Yeah, I would compare circular breathing as a difficult trick similar to how it's hard to pat your head and rub your tummy at the same time because it's kind of like your brain is you know, trying to do two things it doesn't usually do. And um, if I'm in a scenario where I'm really trying to hold a note for super long, um, way longer than I can handle, you know, in just one breath, um, that that's when it would come in, which which isn't very often, but it's a good kind of trick to throw in every once in a while. Brains, brains, brains. Musicians aren't the only one who have special breathing techniques. Right. There are so many different ways to breathe, all with different purposes. We talked to a couple different folks to explain the unique way they use their breath. First, singer Adriana Manfredi explains how everyday breathing and breathing to carry a tune are different. So breathing to live and breathing to sing do have intersections. Breathing to sing, we need to make more sound than when we speak, obviously, and so there needs to be more breath and uh, it needs to be channeled in a different way. So it produces that sustained long tone than we do when we just have speaking, which as you notice has starts and stops and we can kind of breathe naturally wherever we want. But if we have a composer who wrote a piece of music like Carmen, like, like that's all what we call a phrase, right? So we have phrases in, in speaking language, but then we have phrases in music as well. And so we need our breath to be able to sustain the composer's phrase as well as, you know, the music and the words. Quite often with students, I'll give them a little pinwheel, you know, like you could buy at a, a dollar store. And if you can just imagine blowing through a pinwheel, going to keep that, keep the pinwheel spinning. That's a really good introduction to singer's breath versus just day-to-day -day breath to live. Uh, also, it comes from a much lower place. If you take your hand and put it like right below your neck, and if you were to say, you feel it in a high place. That's where most people breathe. So singers, we breathe 
much lower because we know our breath is housed in our lungs and our lungs actually stretch. So breath starts with a lot of posture and alignment, right? And so I usually have people like put fists either side of the waist. Like you think of like how Peter Pan stands <laughs> when he's really proud and to take a breath in, in that way. So like a... And then just sing just a really simple scale, like a, like a soul for me, radio. and just experiment with that. But with that low breath, so when you inhale, actually your ribs will move your fists. And so that's how you know you're really getting your low breath. Of course, breath isn't just for singing. It can help us explore the oceans or at least a swimming pool. I'm Lance Lee Davis, and I'm a professional freediver. If you can swim, you're probably already freediving. Freediving is just going underwater and swimming underwater while you hold your breath. In competition, which is something I also do, we're usually trying to see how deep can we dive on a single breath uh, without scuba tanks or anything. Sometimes also we have contests in pools to see who can swim the furthest underwater or who can just hold their breath the longest underwater. We want to conserve energy when we dive and when we hold our breath because your body, to create energy, it needs oxygen. Because I'm holding my breath, I have a limited amount of oxygen. If I can conserve energy, that means I can hold my breath longer and I can do more things. So if I'm very still and quiet, I can hold my breath for six or seven or more minutes. We breathe in a specific way before we hold our breath. And then as a free diver, I also breathe in a specific way after I hold my breath. And we do this to make sure that we get the most oxygen and the best breath that I possibly can, and also for safety reasons, because freediving can be, can be dangerous. Especially when there's water involved, we have to be careful with breath hold, and it's not something that we want to practice doing in the water without a parent around or an adult around. So before a dive, I'm really thinking about trying to fill up my belly, and so this is what a belly breath sounds like for me. And then I can exhale. After the dive, it's a little different. Usually after the dive, I don't immediately take the largest breath I can because after a deep dive or a long breath hold, there may not be a whole lot of oxygen in the body. And it's very, very, very important that the brain always get oxygen. So. If there's not a lot of oxygen in the body and I take a giant breath, blood starts to go into the lower part of my lung. I would have less blood making its way to my brain. I might lose consciousness. So after the dive, I'm doing a shallower breath and I'm using more of my upper chest and shoulders. And we call these recovery breaths. And so this is what that sounds like when I do it. We can control our breath to play an instrument or go swimming, 
But we can also use our breath to help us calm down. Vinny, have you ever focused on your breath to help you calm down when you're feeling nervous? Well, yeah, sometimes I kind of like just tune out of everything, like not really paying attention to anything around me. And I just focus on me and like breathe in and out. Yeah, it can be very centering to just focus on your breath. And it can be a very reassuring thing. Dr. Anne-Marie Shiasan teaches medicine at the University of Arizona. And she's here to show us how our breath can help us reset and relax. The breath is directly connected to the nervous system through our vagus nerve. Our vagus nerve causes us to relax. So when somebody's anxious or in fight or flight mode or startled, if we slow the breathing down, that immediately starts to turn the body back into relaxing. It's called our autonomic nervous system. There's a a startle or a fight or flight part, and there's a relaxation part. When you're feeling anxious or worried, your body activates something called fight or flight. It's why you feel butterflies in your stomach or wiggly when you're nervous. It's because our bodies originally evolved to react to stress by getting ready to fight or to run away. But if you breathe deeply, your vagus nerve basically puts the brakes on that stress reaction and makes you feel calm again. So breathing is the easiest way to work with being anxious or startled or afraid because if you slow the breath down and make the exhale longer than the inhale, that affects the vagus nerve and takes us right into relaxation. So right now, what I want to share with you is the diaphragmatic breath. It's a very relaxing breath that is very simple to do. When you inhale, you have to visualize your belly like a balloon. And as you inhale, you fill the balloon up so your stomach goes out instead of in. So let your lungs be relaxed and fill the balloon in your belly. And then as you exhale, you see the balloon deflate again. So we're going to try it right now. Inhale and fill the balloon. And exhale nice and slow. You can feel the whooshing of the air coming out of the balloon through your mouth on the exhale. Try again. And fill the balloon in your belly. And exhale nice and slow. And one more. Fill the balloon. And exhale. You can do that before you take a test, on the way to sleep, if you feel frightened by something, or just when you wake up and go to bed at night. So there are a lot of benefits of paying attention to your breath. One is that we know that it decreases pain. So if you stub your toe or you scrape your knee, you can breathe your way through it. We also know that it improves the blood flow to the brain so you can remember things better and will relax you if you're feeling afraid. And we also think it actually affects your immune system. Breathing slowly and mindfully can affect your immune system having a better response. So breathing's an important piece of health, relaxation, and even memory. And as one of my teachers used to say, it's right beneath your nose and it's free. 
I hope you breathe your way into a wonderful day. We may not always think about breathing, but we can control it, and that's super unique. We breathe in oxygen, and our lungs help us deliver that to the rest of our body. Asthma happens when the tubes in your lungs get inflamed or swollen, and it makes it harder for air to pass through. Breath is a tool that we can use in lots of ways, from playing an instrument, singing loud, or even diving deep underwater. Focusing on a breath can help us relax, recenter, and calm down our nervous system. That's it for this episode of Brains On. Brains On is produced by Sandon Totten, Mark Sanchez, Manika Wilhelm, and Molly Bloom. We had production help from Ruby Guthrie and Christina Lopez, and our intern is Kun Sang Dorji. We had engineering help from Johnny Vince Evans. Special thanks to Andy Doucette. Brains On is a nonprofit public radio program. You can support the show at brainson.org slash fans. There you can find links to donate or join our free fan club or check out our new Brains On merch. We now have Brains On shirts, baseball hats, and face masks. And you can buy the Brains On book there too. That's brainson.org slash fans. And now, before we go, it's time for the moment of um... What's the smallest unit of measurement and how large is it? The smallest unit of measure is actually the plank length. And it's really, really, really small to try and like comprehend. Hi, my name is Dr. Jessica Esquivel and I am a particle physicist and I work at Fermilab, which is a laboratory in Chicago. So it's not that like the plank length is something that we can measure with a very precise ruler. It's that at anything smaller than that length, we don't know what the laws of physics are doing. Okay, so I think the way I can explain it is if you have a piece of paper and you want to cut that piece of paper down to the smallest width that you can get it to. You can start off with scissors, right? But then at a certain point, scissors aren't going to be able to cut that piece of paper any smaller. So then you have to switch your tools, right? Maybe you use an X-Acto knife, and then after an X-Acto knife, you have to use a laser <laughs> to cut this you know, piece of paper down. But after a certain point, Whether or not you can still see that tiny little piece of paper that you've cut down as small as you can, that doesn't necessarily mean that that's as small as you can get it. You've just ran out of tools that you can use to cut it down smaller. So I think that's how I see the plank length is that we know that that's the smallest unit of length, but we haven't yet come up with a measuring tool to actually measure what that is. We just know, in theory, (laughs) that's the smallest length measurement with the current knowledge of physics. Um, um, um... 
Did you know the smallest amount of thanks is equal to the largest amount of thanks? Well, it's true when it comes to the brain's honor roll. These are the excellent listeners who send us their questions, ideas, mystery sounds, drawings, and high fives. Amandine from Yellow Springs, Ohio, Sam from Frankfurt, Kentucky, Rowan and Mila from Carlsbad, California, Andrew and Isabel from Montreal, Nadia from San Anselmo, California, Akiva from Vancouver, Washington, Ellie from Porter, Minnesota, Prisha from Toronto, Max from Philadelphia, LV and Napoleon from Portland, Oregon, Marissa from Atlanta, Adela, Aaron and Ashton from Monument, Colorado, Madison from Haverhill, Massachusetts, Ouija from Jakarta, Indonesia, Kyo from Osaka, Japan, Amelie from Savannah, Georgia, Viom from Scottsdale, Arizona, Amelia, Clara, and Lincoln from Fredericton, New Brunswick. Ryden from Dublin, California. Julia from Austin, Texas. Taylor from Mobile, Alabama. Dylan from Denver. Jocelyn from Minneapolis. Ada and Elsa from California. Kai from Oregon. Ava from Chicago. Sophie, Rhea, and Rohan from Chicago. Ellie from Golden, Colorado. Mayo from Toronto. Ava Luna from Los Angeles. David from Idaho. Lucy from Massachusetts. Xavier from Sydney, Australia. Romilly from San Diego. Caleb from Phoenix. Siler, Sarah, and Sam from Neshkoro, Wisconsin. Arlo from Baltimore. Heshi and Lebu from Surfside, Florida, Diego from Danville, California, Luna and Zoe from Rancho Palo Verdes, California, Gabriel from Oakland, California, Etienne from Doha, Qatar, Bryce, Mackenzie and Alex from West Covina, California. Benjamin and Jane from Hopewell, New Jersey. George from Victoria, British Columbia. Annabelle from Dartmouth, Massachusetts. Lucia from Wheat Ridge, Colorado. Cooper from Berlin, Germany. Lucy, Geula, and Bensi from Jerusalem. Lincoln and Knox from Waukesha, Wisconsin. Amelia from Fredericton. Yusuf from Glasgow, Scotland. Eden, Caleb, Lydia, and Finn from Storm Lake, Iowa. Amy from Lincoln, Nebraska. Claire from Lake Forest Park, Washington. Grace from Redwood City, California. Leora from London, England. Roger and Paul from Nashville. Licia from Tampa, Florida. Samaya from Berkeley, California. Jackson from St. Genevieve, Missouri, Patrick from Hamilton, Ontario, Celia from Montreal, Callista from Elmhurst, Illinois, Avery from Mount Prospect, Illinois, Riley from Virginia, Josie from Seattle, Leon and Raffi from Melbourne, Australia, Soren from Pacifica, California, Irene from Austin, Texas, Leland from North Canton, Ohio, Parks from Omaha, and Carly from Verona, Wisconsin. We'll be back soon with more answers to your questions. Thanks for listening.